the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Dr. David Anderson, senior pastor and founder of Bridgeway Community Church in Columbia, Maryland. And I am so glad that you are tuned in now to our new special Saturday edition of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. You're going to hear conversations from recent talks where I've connected with radio listeners just like you to help them build bridges of reconciliation, race, religion, relationships. Are you ready? Let's get started. Let's go to Columbia, Maryland and talk to Lisa, who's on the line. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, doctor. Thanks. Great. Thanks for calling. What's your comment or question? Okay. I have a twofold uh, question Mm -hmm. or two questions, rather. I uh, have just started uh, in the past two years when the Lord captured me, uh, to start following him. And okay. so I've been following him for two years and mm-hmm. two questions that have come up in my, in my spirit. Okay. One is it talks about the, uh, the, uh, the 10 commandments. Okay. And if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. Right. And one of those commandments is, uh, to observe the Sabbath. And okay. that's not, uh, the worship like the seven-day, you know, adventures mm-hmm, do, mm-hmm, because it's specifically from sundown on Friday yep. to the following day. Okay. And it was changed by the uh, Roman Catholic Church from what I've been reading and trying to understand. So I was trying to reconcile, well, why uh, both the majority of the churches don't observe it, because even if you go to church on Sunday— that's still not observing the Sabbath. Okay, so your so, first question is about here, the Sabbath. Okay, I'm gonna get to that one. What's the second one, real quickly? Okay, and the other the other question is that Christ is uh, of uh, he's he's um, Negroid. Okay, ne- Negroid. Uh huh. And um, uh, so people who when you when you talk about that and the fact mm-hmm. that we're in the last days and you're going to be looking for a, 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 a Messiah that is Negro in ethnic, you know, um, definition, they, see, they, don't, okay. they can't reconcile that in their mind. So got- those are the two questions. Okay, those are your two questions. Okay, got it. So listen, first of all, the uh, it wasn't the Roman Catholic Church. It was really the Apostle Paul in the first century church. Uh, starting with with Peter, and so even before the Roman Catholic Church, you had you had Peter in the first century church uh, with regard to the Sabbath. Now, um, I answered this question last week, but I think it's important to answer it again. The Sabbath day out of the Ten Commandments is the only commandment out of the ten that is not repeated in the New Testament as something we have to keep. So that's the first thing. All right. So if you look at all the other commandments, they're repeated by the Lord. Uh, But when you get to the Sabbath day, it's not. Now, am I saying we don't need to keep it? No, I'm not saying that because God put it in creation to work six days and to rest on the on the Sabbath like he did. So there's an example of rest 
and reflection. So I think we still ought to take a day for rest, reflection, and worshiping the Lord. But the reason why it moved from uh, the the seventh day uh, to the first day was because that's when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 16.1, it says, Now about the collections for God's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. This is Paul speaking. He says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up, so when I come, no collection will need to be made. And so Paul is showing us that the believers begin worshiping and collecting offerings on the first day of the week. And so we should keep a day of rest, but that day of rest can be any day. Now, somebody would say, but hold on, why all the rules for the Sabbath are gone? Well, Jesus did it. Jesus said, you know, he healed on the Sabbath. His uh, disciples were healing on the Sabbath. The religious leaders were getting mad about it. Uh, and uh, But yet Jesus did it anyway because he concluded his statement in that story that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. So when you're in the Lord, you're in the Sabbath. Your rest is now in him. And so uh, that would be my explanation for that. My last thing about the Sabbath would be what it says in Colossians 2.16. It doesn't mean you shouldn't keep it or, or, you know, we have to argue about it. In fact, I don't think we should argue about it. I think we ought to do what Colossians 2.16 says. And so I'm making my way there quickly, uh, Colossians 2.16, and this is what it says. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration, listen, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So hopefully that answers your question about the Sabbath day. With regard to Jesus being a Negroid, uh, we know that Jesus was Jewish. We know he was born in Bethlehem. So we know that this is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I've been to Bethlehem and Nazareth. I know what the people look like there. That is his ethnicity from Joseph and Mary. Now, did he escape to Egypt, the north uh, part of Africa? Sure. Uh, are there Ethiopian Jews? Yes, there are. But was Jesus Negroid? I don't believe he was. I believe he's a little bit of everything, if you want to think about it like that. But if you trace the Negroid race all the way back, if you want to call it a race, I put it in quotes. Ethnicity is a better way to put it all the way back uh, to Abraham's uh, children uh, than, you know, the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can trace all the races back through Abraham then to, of course, Adam. So that would be my two cents on that. What do you think about that, Anonymous? Or, or Lisa? Uh, as it relates to the the, um, the Sabbath day, I'll still have to reconcile that. I'm not fully practicing it yet. Okay. Um, but I, I didn't know um, some people are saying that the mark of the beast is Sunday um, uh, yeah. worship. Yeah, don't believe that. And so that's. Yeah, don't believe that. Otherwise, uh, Paul and all the other Christians uh, there in Macedonia and Corinth and so on were all uh, living for the beast. They were worshiping the Lord. If that was a day of the beast, why did Jesus Christ rise again on that day? If he, he defeated the beast on that day. So there's no better day to worship uh, than the day of the resurrection. Amen. 
Now, the everyday to worship is, 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 is phenomenal. We should be worshiping daily. That's true. I definitely agree with that. But come on, when that but, when Christ rose again from the dead, if you walked to that tomb and saw he was missing, wouldn't that be a day? Wouldn't that be a moment to worship? Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Amen, amen, amen. I mean, on Saturday, he was still in the grave. I mean, he was still doing some work in the in the underground. And on Friday, he was crucified. I mean, those are bad days. But I'm going to tell you what. I thank God <laughs> early on Sunday mornings when he rose. And so uh, you can see why Christians, you can see why it moved from Jewish Sabbaths to Sunday worship. I mean, you could literally, you can feel it. I mean, Saturday was a day of, oh, Lord, have mercy. Where did he go? I mean, it was a day of mourning. Uh, you know, but uh, look what God did on Sunday morning. So just that in and of itself, just the timing and the emotion well, of it, it's powerful. No, none of that. that is, none of that is taken away. What I guess what I'm trying to reconcile is when we talk about the Roman Catholic Church and the beast system and the fact that Sunday, S-U-N, is for the worship of the sun god to move. Yeah, I wouldn't even get all into that. That's just too much. Uh, you know, because you can you can do a deep dive into all of the aberrations of different uh, religions, including Catholicism or including the Crusades with Christianity or Islam. There's there's a lot of aberrations within and cultic uh, dark thoughts within every one of the religions, including Christianity and including Roman Catholicism. No doubt about it. But I just wouldn't uh, I wouldn't go there if it's just for, hey, I want to get some knowledge on it and all that. That's one thing. But don't lose the major teachings because of the minor aberrations is my only point. What do you think about that? Well, the ex- from what I'm reading, understanding the ecumenical movement um, is going to affirm the Sunday day of worship throughout. And the laws have been passed in um, different parts of Europe and are coming around to the United States where these laws are going to be enforced. Yeah, who cares? Who cares? That the Roman Catholic. Who cares? You serve the Lord of the Sabbath. You are in Christ. Uh, You know, so who cares? Uh, Whatever day, whatever comes from Europe or Africa or from America, at the end of the day, you are on the right side. Every curse has been broken. You are uh, victorious in Christ. So don't get uh, what I'm saying is just don't get yourself pulled down and, and and worried all about that. It's nothing but a distraction for what's most important. And that is your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. rose again from the dead, and you are worshiping him, and nothing's going to stop you from it. The devil can't stop you. I mean, yes, he's coming back. Yeah, the devil's uh, going to be fighting us uh, as believers, but we are on the winning side. So focus on that, uh, and I think that you're going to be okay and not distracted. Otherwise, I think what's going to happen is you're just going to get distracted in these theologies instead of the most important theology, and that's the worship of the the one who wins in the first place anyway, and he's coming back to get us. And so we're good to go no matter what comes against us. You are a conqueror. Hold on to that word. I've got to run to my break, Lisa. Thanks for calling. Hi, Jewel. This is Dr. Anderson. How are you? Hi, Dr. Anderson, and hello to your guests. First, I want to thank you for Best Buy Waterproofing. (laughs) They are outstanding. Yeah, and I'm scheduled to get my work done in a week, but I just want to thank you. The free home inspection, they came Mm, out. it. It was just absolutely amazing. They have over 30 years of experience, and they'll even donate $500 to my show if you end up doing business with them. But most of all, 
get your basement fixed. Give them a call. 844-980-3707. That's 844-980-3707. We move to Woodbridge, Virginia and talk to Tiffany, who's on the line. Hey, Tiffany, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hi, Dr. Anderson. I first want to commend you for your patience and your wisdom. <laughs> Thank and you. I do agree. I do agree. That That is the sign of the beast. Talking <laughs> all this confusion, trying to get yeah. you caught up, yep. instead of focusing on the main That's picture. It. That's it. That's the, that is the sign of the beast, the confusion. So, yeah, yeah. don't go front, they go front. They go, you know, all those little minute things that yep. God is not really concerned about. Because if he was, he wouldn't have brought Jesus mm-hmm. down to do away with the laws. Well, and Jesus fulfilled so it. The, he, mean like he fulfilled it. He fulfilled the law, and he says, I am the Sabbath. I'm the Lord it. of it. So you come in me, and you got that done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, okay, but that's not my question. Okay? <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Thank um, you for the support. My question is, uh, you're welcome. My question is, okay, so I'm a little confused. So when we die, do we go to sleep and wait for judgment to go to heaven? Or does our soul go to heaven right away and is our body catching up? Like, I'm confused with that whole situation because I'm trying to read, you know, because I remember Jesus was talking about, you know, when I forget who it was, and he was like, oh, you know, why do you have to go and, and, and worry about the, the dead because they're sleeping? But then you have the other one, people, other stories in the Bible that talk about, okay, well, your soul will be lifted up to heaven. So I'm confused. What Got happened? It. Well, okay, so none of us really know, do we? <laughs> That's the first thing. I mean— the first thing is none of us really, really know. There is some confusion on it. But let me tell you what I believe based on the scriptures that I understand. All right. And I am finite in my understanding, but uh, I'm pretty clear on this one. And that is what the Apostle Paul said. And that is absence from the body means presence with the Lord. All right. So that much I know. So as soon as my spirit is absent from this body, my spirit is present with the Lord. Now, in the first century church, they often talked about death like sleep. All right. And so, uh, you know, that person went to sleep. All right. Now they're not really sleep. They are dead. (laughs) Okay. But that's how they, that was the language. That was the language that they use. So some people would then believe, all right. So then when you die, you basically stay in a dead sort of state. And then when Jesus comes back again, he will rise you again from that state. Here's here's the good news. Now, I believe uh-huh. again, I believe again, absence from the body means presence from the Lord. So my spirit immediately goes to the Lord and I'm not there in a sleep state. I'm not just laying there until he comes back. But here's the good news. Even if I am, it doesn't matter because as soon as I open my eyes, I don't know how much time went by. So, you know, I'm in the presence of the Lord anyway. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, because if I died right now, let's just say I was asleep for a thousand years. I wouldn't know it. And so I open my eyes, I see Jesus. So either way, it doesn't matter because time loses its power once you're dead. Time and space is not does not contain God or the spirit. And so once your spirit leaves your body, your body's in space. We are captured by time and we are captured by space. When you die, you're no longer captured by time. You're no longer captured by space. Your spirit is free. And so whether I'm asleep for a thousand years and I wake up and there's the Lord or whether I immediately translate to the Lord, I believe the next thing you see when you open your eyes 
is the Lord. Now, do I believe your spirit actually goes to sleep? No, I don't. I believe your spirit stays alive. So even though your body sleeps, your spirit stays alive. And there are several passages that even talk about when you die, the angels take you. You know, several parables that the Lord would give and talk about, you know, when you uh, the angels taking you from this place to that place. And so there's definitely some kind of transition that's going on. But there's really no particular passage that talks about the, the spirit ever going out of consciousness or the spirit ever going out of sleep. You know what I'm saying? So even think about it like this. Even the, 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 the uh, criminal that was on the cross, when Jesus said to him today, you will be with me in paradise. Think about that. That day was was Friday. So if he was killed, if he was killed that day, how could he still be in the presence? Today you will be with me in paradise, unless there was some spiritual transition that took place. That's so true. God, it's so wonderful. So, oh my anyway. <laughs> hey, um, listen. Yes, it's a little minute thing that yeah. if you don't pay attention, right? you know, you just read that. It's like, oh, okay, so he'll get up. With, but then you say, he yeah. said today. Today? That's a big, that's Shoot. A big thing. I can't wait yeah, for my, today. listen, Tiffany, I can't wait for my today. Okay, I got to roll. I'll be back. It's real talk. Dr. Anderson would love for you to join his brand new public figure Facebook page. Just search Dr. David Anderson on Facebook, and when you see his smiling face, click like. That's another great way for you to connect and follow the good doc. I've got Anonymous on the line from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Hi, Anonymous. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. I, um, so I have a quick question. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, you can ask the question to your spouse, is is there too much sex and do you feel suffocated? If he says no, then and, and you don't feel like you're being suffocated by it, then no. Uh, for some couples, uh, a lot of sex is, is good. For other couples, they're more modulated in how often and how intense it is. It really depends on the personality and the needs of the couple. Oftentimes, you do have one part of the couple that needs it more. Uh, than the other part of the couple. And so, you know, trying to find that healthy balance is is always uh, an art. It's not a science. How do you feel in the relationship with your spouse? Do you feel like you're being suffocated at all? Well, when the area of sex, if I want it less and he wants it more, uh-huh. and I feel suffocated and he uh-huh. doesn't feel like I'm giving it enough, Right. Then where do you draw the line? And so that's why it's relative yeah. to me. Suffocating to him is not. Yeah. So where do you draw the line? Well, and that's very typical where the man may want it more uh, than the woman. Uh, again, sometimes you have the reverse case, but it's very typical that a married woman uh, wants it less. What's interesting, an unmarried woman in a relationship, if they're uh, uh, active and even if they're not active, will oftentimes desire it more. Uh, but once uh, the, the couple gets married, 
uh, over a short period of time, it feels like uh, the woman is satisfied with a lesser amount of it, uh, where the guy is just more driven uh, for it. So then how do you find that balance? It, it does put you in an interesting situation, Anonymous, because you're in the driver's seat. He needs more, so he's hungry. All right. And you have what he needs and he can only eat at your restaurant. And so <laughs> you have this power over him and you've got to decide how you're going to use that power. So think about it like having food and he's hungry. Uh, he, you know, he'd like to be overstuffed at every meal. But, you know, you, yeah. you're, you're saying I can't do that. And it's not healthy necessarily for you or him. But make sure you're not starving him where he's eating, you know, once every four or five days because you think about it like food. Uh, what would it be like if you were hungry, 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 and you knew that the only person could feed you is your husband, and he can kind of choose whether he wants to feed you on Friday or not feed you on Friday. No, he doesn't feel like feeding you on Friday. And so he'll think, well, maybe I'll feed you on Sunday. Well, in the meantime, you're, you have hunger pains. You're, 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 you know, you're, your stomach is hurting, uh, and now your hunger is – subject to your husband's feelings of, well, Sunday comes, nah, I really don't feel like giving any food, maybe tomorrow morning. And, and so if you think of it like that uh, and think of a man's sex drive like an appetite, uh, that may actually cause you to be a little bit more gracious in how you, quote, unquote, feed your husband. And and you can't blame then. I mean, you can blame, but it's hard to blame somebody who's very, very hungry uh, for eating at the hands of another when the only person that can feed them refuses to feed them or just kind of decides, no, nah, I don't feel like feeding you today. After a while, uh, it, it's hard for that person not to eat at the hands of another uh, feeder, if you know what I'm saying. Are you with me? Right. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I, I think, yeah, you're right. You, you are absolutely right. So, so, quick question. Mm -hmm. Is it true that men around the age, you know, middle age, uh, late 40s, early 50s, need it more than, than any other time? Uh, I'm not sure if that is true. I think uh, the, the 20s <laughs> um, are, are, are high, a high drive for... Uh, men, I do think the 40s and 50s can be. What's interesting is a woman's peak is often around the late 30s and early 40s. When a man's peak was higher earlier and then it kind of goes down for a while, her peak goes up. And so when she's between like 37 and, and 42, she's off the chain, off the charts with her peak oftentimes. Uh, the, the guy modulates because of his... Uh, you got age issues, prostate issues, health issues. And so when you get around between 45 and 55, it now depends on the guy. For some guys, their drive goes right up. Uh, for other guys, it's starting to go down. So it's going to depend more more on the guy. But if you can think about, you know, instead of I feel suffocated because this guy keeps coming to me, uh, who is your husband, I want you to think about it again as a human appetite that he has and you're telling him, look, now I'm the only refrigerator, I'm the only stove, I'm the only microwave, and I'm the only food that you're allowed to touch, look into, open and eat, and I've got a lock on it. Think about it like that, and, and I think what it'll help you 
not think of, oh, my gosh, he's suffocating me. He's suffocating me. Think of yourself as, wow, I get, I get to feed him. I get to please him. Now, again, you don't want him to be greedy, but you don't want him to be starved. And I think if you can find the balance between that, it, it'll help you mentally because you might just think, man, he just has this high sex drive and he just needs to get off me. That will make you feel suffocated. All right. But if you change your thinking on, no, it's not about it's not about he just wants it. He just wants it. It's like he needs it. And then I'm expecting that I'm going to be the only one to give it to him. Now, if you're not expecting to be the only one to give it to him, then you have a right to be like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm sorry that you're hungry. Go find it somewhere else. I'll, I'll cook you a meal tomorrow. Do you know what I'm saying? All right. right, so, right. Thank you so much. All right. Is that helpful Thank to you? you? Yeah, very helpful. I mean, you you actually said more than I expected, but that is definitely helpful. There you go. Well, listen, God bless you, Anonymous in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. Thanks for calling. I'm so glad that you did. This is Rich Becker, producer of Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. The radio ministry of Real Talk with Dr. Anderson is made possible by the generosity of listeners like you. If this nonprofit ministry is a blessing to you, will you prayerfully consider partnering with us? With an ongoing monthly gift of $30 or more, you'll become a Real Talk partner. As a way of saying thank you, we would love to send you a signed copy of Dr. Anderson's book, Gracism. Thank you for making this important ministry possible. We can't do it without you. Visit andersonspeaks.com and simply click the donate button to support Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson. That's andersonspeaks.com. You've been listening to Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson, Weekend Edition, a ministry of Bridgeway Community Church. We would love to have you join us at Bridgeway in our Performing Arts Theater in Columbia, Maryland for one of our three identical Sunday services at 8 a.m., 10 a.m., and noon. Or join us online at www.bridgeway.cc. Real Talk with Dr. David Anderson airs live weekdays on this station and is ready to take your calls. Tune in at 3 p.m. weekdays on WAVA 105.1 FM. We hope to see you tomorrow at church. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.